0: Good morning and welcome. The Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord. We gather and worship on the Lord's day, remembering the presence of the living Christ, the one who has conquered death, raised from the dead, and is with us now and always. It is a joy to be with you and to share in this time of worship, especially those guests who may be with us, You bless us with your presence. We pray this is a blessed time for us all as we worship God together. And as we gather and prepare for worship, I'll just remind you, we find some registration paths in our pews. It's just of help to have us know that you have worshiped with us here this morning at First Church, and for that, we are grateful. As we prepare for worship, we are also mindful of opportunities for fellowship and service, which are before us. Uh, This week, we move into a meeting of our finance committee tomorrow evening. Our missions team will meet on Wednesday evening, and we share in the ministry of the Lunch Bunch each Tuesday and Thursday from 10 to 11. Uh, Just a word of of commentary in regard to the Lunch Bunch, especially at this time. We know that a week ago, our neighbors who reside in this local apartment complex uh, that is overseen by Piedmont Community Services, well, they suffered a terrible fire. Many of these residents displaced and are now in relief efforts. So we have spoken with Piedmont Community Services and have agreed for the next three weeks to provide meals by way of our Lunch Bunch Ministry each Tuesday and Thursday morning. This means there will be about 40 extra meals prepared for residents of these apartment complexes. It also means we could use some more volunteer help. So we invite you to arrive on Tuesday or Thursday mornings for the next three weeks in particular. Uh, This ministry operates out of the Church Fellowship Hall. The residents will not be coming here to eat uh, simply because there are no means of transportation, but someone from Piedmont Community Services will come and will pick up the meals to take to the displaced residents. So again, I invite you to share in this ministry. If you'd like to arrive around 9.30 to help prepare these meals, that would be a great blessing. God calls us to be in service to our neighbors. Opportunity to do this is before us and you. Uh, thank you for all who make this ministry happen, and thank you for your response to God's call to share in this ministry with our neighbors. Also, we <clears throat> during this time of worship, we're excited. There will be opportunity following the Old Testament lesson to hear from Megan Mitchell and those who are a part of the Small Hands Big Mission ministry last week. So we're grateful that will be a time of our worship again, following our Old Testament lesson, and uh, grateful to be able to share the word that that is before us. Kind of love that Vegas theme, hoping we could get Wayne Newton with us this morning. Didn't happen, uh, but we'll hope for a future date. Uh, But it is a reminder that that Jesus begins his ministry, his hometown in Nazareth, and it does not go so smoothly. Uh, A word is there for us. And I remind you that we share in the Vacation Bible School beginning next Monday, July 16th. All week we'll be a sharing in that exciting ministry, Vacation Bible School. And as a way to keep that before us, Craig, I'll invite you to share a promotional video. Very exciting time awaits us. Thank you, Annette, and for the wealth of volunteers that make this ministry happen. I invite us now to prepare to worship God as our acolyte will come forward. Worship is before us. Let us stand as we share in this call. Come to Christ, that living stone rejected by the world, but in God's sight chosen and precious. Once we were no people, but now we are God's people, called out of the darkness into God's marvelous light. Therefore we sing with the church in all ages. Blessed be your name, O God, our Redeemer. By your mercy we have been born in you, to the living hope, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, We praise God with joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Amen. Oh. invite us to go to God as we pray. Our opening prayer is before us. Let us pray. God of grace and glory, we thank you that you judge us not by the perfection of our actions, but by our readiness to live boldly by faith. Help us as individuals and as a congregation to trust you and follow where you lead, that in Christ your name may be glorified in all the earth. Amen. We proclaim the Word of God first from the Old Testament, from the prophet Ezekiel, and we see that the Word of God, even though proclaimed by his prophet, is not a word received, and it is a word that anticipates Jesus' teaching as we see that today in the synagogue at Nazareth. We hear the Word of God. First we pray. Lord, may your word be received and heard and accepted by us. May we not be those who are rebellious and stubborn, but those who hunger for your word, who feed upon your word, and are satisfied and nourished for your service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And the Lord said to me, Son of man, stand upon your feet and I will speak with you. And when he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me upon my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The people also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that there has been a prophet among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you, and you sit upon scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are A rebellious house. This is the word of our Lord. And Megan, we welcome you. And we look forward to your witness of small hands and big mission that took place last weekend.
1: Good morning. Last weekend, last um, Friday and Saturday, we got together for a mission event called Small Hands Big Mission. You're welcome to join us, too. And we had a 24-hour mini-mission with our older children, our fourth through seventh graders. And we had 11 children and seven adults that were with us for the 24 hours. Uh, four of our kids up here today joined us this weekend and so what we did is we got together and had pizza and cookies and played games and we had worship and three different mission experiences during our 24 hours the first one was on friday night who knows what we did as our mission experience on friday night We made socks of love. We made socks of love, and they are hygiene kits. We took pairs of cho- socks and filled them with toothpaste, toothbrush, soap, shampoo, conditioner, lotion, and deodorant. And I thank you all for your donations that you brought, especially Dr. Malinak and the uh, toothbrushes and toothpaste that his practice donated. We made over 120 hygiene kits that will be handed out at Food Bank, and those are waiting to be handed out. And then we watched a movie, and Saturday morning we had two different mission events on Saturday. Who knows what our first mission event was?
2: Um, we
1: pulled weeds. We pulled weeds. We went to the Corcoran's home, and we helped clear their backyard of weeds and overgrowth, and we worked hard outside for over <coughs> two hours. Many of the kids said that it was a lot of fun. So, grandparents, parents, remember that. It's a lot of fun to pull weeds. And what was the next thing that we did?
2: We, we, wa- we
1: washed the, je- the <coughs> lawn. Lawn, and, yeah, lawn furniture. You're right. We washed the lawn furniture at the Elkins home, and we scrubbed down their deck furniture that we had. And what did we do after that? We had a water fight at the Elkins home that Laura provided. So that was lots of fun. We got wet and dried off and came back and had lunch. We want to thank the ladies from Circle of Psalms for preparing our lunch for us and having it waiting. That was wonderful. And what did we do in the afternoon?
2: We went to Barbara Laney's house and... We sang songs to her and begged and Connor and we sing, sang two songs to her.
1: You're right, we went and we visited some of our members and we sang songs for them and we visited with them and told them a little bit about ourselves and then also got them to tell us a little bit about themselves. We visited Barbara Rainey and Peg Hollander that afternoon, and that was a lot of fun as well. And do you remember what we said? We were the light of the world, and we were lighting people's lives up with our visits and our songs. So it was a wonderful 24 hours, and we had lots of games and fun time together while serving others. So if you see one of these young children around and want to ask them about their mission experience, I'm sure they would be happy to tell you about their favorite parts. So thank you for your support and for your donations. We had a wonderful time.
0: Amen. We are grateful for the witness of our children. We thank you, Megan, uh, and and adults for your leadership, and thank you for your support of this wonderful ministry. And we look forward to... invite our children to come forward and Megan will lead us in our children's time.
1: see me from here? Well, I'm going to ask you to do something really big for me. It's hard, okay? I need you to give me your biggest smile. Can you give me your biggest smile? Come on, Ryder. I know you've got a big smile in there. I've seen it before. Good. Awesome. Look at those teeth or missing teeth. Yeah. Very good. Here's my biggest one. Kind of your mouth opens sometimes when you give big smiles. Yeah. Well, that's one of Maddie's favorite things to do is smile. First thing in the morning when she wakes up and we go in there, she looks at us and she smiles big, and it just lights up the room. Well, this weekend, this past weekend when we had our mission event that I just talked about, our scripture for the weekend was Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, and there Jesus tells us to be the light of the world. And we are to shine his light and to tell others about Jesus. Well, one way that you can be the light of the world is by lighting up your face and smiling. That was one thing that we did when we went to visit people. And we went to sing and share with them. Was they would comment, look at all these beautiful smiles. They just light up your face. They make you look so happy. Ms. Pegg told me this morning that her house was just filled with joy even after we left because of all of those smiling children. So one way that you can be the light of the world and share Jesus with others is by sharing those beautiful smiles that you just showed me because they light up your face and they can light up somebody else's day. So somebody you know may have had a bad day or scraped their knee or are just having a rough time. Well, you can be a friend and share with them your beautiful smile and that can cheer them up and that also is sharing it with Jesus and sharing that light of the world. So give me your smiles one more time. There it goes. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing those smiles with me. Let us pray. You want to pray after me? You can repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for the gift of smiles and for helping me to light up the world be with me lord amen
0: thank you megan and children i invite us to stand we sing tis so sweet trust in jesus From the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, we hear the word of our Lord. Jesus went away from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get all this? What is the wisdom given to him? What mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called to him the twelve and began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Where you enter a house, stay there until you leave the house, and if any place will not receive you, and they refuse to hear you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet for a testimony against them. So they went out and preached that men should repent, and they cast out many demons, and anointed with oil many that were sick, and healed them. This is the word of our Lord. Well, earlier in my ministry, I served as associate pastor of a church in Richmond. While serving there, one of my responsibilities was, was that of helping coordinate a church bus trip to Washington, D.C. The purpose of this trip was to visit the Holocaust Museum, which had just recently opened. Well, that sounds easy enough to coordinate, right? Right. Well, I was happy to be a part of the planning efforts for this trip, I looked forward to visiting this museum, to working with church members to make the trip happen, to share with them in what I was sure would be a powerful experience. So at our first planning meeting, we began to address obvious concerns regarding this trip. For example, what dates would we consider, what bus companies would we talk with? Making note of such details, comprising a checklist to chart our progress as we planned this trip, we also realized we needed to publicize this trip with various media. We needed to decide what we would charge each person for making the trip. We needed to decide what time we would leave Richmond, what time we would return to Richmond. Again, basic stuff upon which we needed to decide if we were to make this trip. But at some point in these meetings, I'm not sure at what point and not sure why, it seems we began to stray from the purpose of these meetings, began to lose focus as to why we were meeting. What I mean is that we began to give great energy to secondary concerns, forgetting the basics needed to make the trip happen. For example, we spent considerable time speaking of drinks and snacks for this bus ride, as if we were driving to California instead of driving two hours up to DC. We gave lengthy conversation to the matter of entertainment during the trip. Did we want to show movies on the bus? Did we want to play certain music? Also, well, are there other places we wish to see while we're in the nation's capital? Was there material we should ask persons to read in preparation for the trip? Should everyone making this trip meet together ahead of time, get to know each other? Well, what about seating arrangements? Who assigns seating? Well, I was appointed to another church as the trip was being planned. And for all I know, these plans may still be taking place. Well, while we may smile as we recognize how we can complicate the simplest of matters, how we can stray from the issue at hand, it's really not a laughing matter when our efforts within the church do not succeed. Especially when our efforts are in pursuit of something more life-changing, more important than a bus trip. We remember, don't we, that time we worked faithfully to prepare the Sunday school lesson. We stayed up late. We sacrificed time with family. We denied ourselves opportunities for enjoyment. We prayed. Because this is what we believed we were called to do. Because we wanted this small group lesson to go well. Sunday morning arrives, we did not sleep well, we arrived at the church early, made sure we had time to set up the classroom, to set it up for the two or three people who straggled in, one of whom fell asleep and snored lightly during the lesson. Do we recall the time we volunteered to host the youth for a cookout? So we set up games in the backyard, bought new lawn furniture, bought hamburgers, hot dogs, plenty of dessert. All of which meant there was plenty to take home for the brother and sister who showed up. Then there was the new idea for ministry you are convinced God placed upon your heart. It's a ministry of outreach to the community, So you research, you study, you pray. You talk with your pastor, with leadership in the church. Still others don't share your excitement. Everyone has a busy schedule. There are, it appears, so many conflicts for time. Yet you still feel led to launch this ministry You remind yourself, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. You remember the parable of the mustard seed, how even the most humble of beginnings produces an abundant and fruitful tree. Still, this ministry you felt led to offer, the ministry you believed God had placed upon your heart, a ministry you believed may take root within the church and provide new growth, it's a ministry which dies before it can bear any fruit. We know the pain of these experiences, a pain complicated when we realize we're trying to do what is good, we're trying to do what is right, we're trying to do what is faithful. Perhaps we're surprised to find that we really are within the company of many of the people of God who did not succeed at least as you and I measure success it appears as we spend a time with scripture those of us among the people of God inherit a great tradition of failure all of which makes surprising the abundance of prosperity preachers who assure us happiness and success and the life we always wanted, if only we say yes to God. Say yes to God, they tell us, and you will know success in all areas of life, in your business, in your finances, your relationships, your health, your property. God, they seem to say, is the guarantor of Success. Yet as I set the words of those who promote the gospel of success next to the gospel of Mark, I see these words of prosperity preachers appear incompatible with the words of Jesus. According to the gospel of Mark, Jesus teaches at the synagogue in his hometown. Now we read of this occasion... We think this should be a point of pride for all involved. For Jesus in that he has opportunity to teach among those with whom he was raised, to share the faith with those with whom he has history. Pride for those in his hometown. Here is opportunity for family, friends, neighbors to burst with pride at the ministry of Jesus. Should we not expect members of this community to smile at all Jesus says and does. Should we not expect them to point with pride at Jesus, to elbow one another as they recall stories from his youth, how they remember incidents from his life that brought him to this proud moment? I mean, isn't that how it works? Perhaps you have had occasion to return to the church of your youth to share in a homecoming service. Perhaps at some point in your life you preached for a youth service, or on Laity Sunday. I have had occasion to return to my home church to preach, they couldn't find anyone else, (laughs) to preach at a homecoming service for a former church. I was welcomed graciously, was grateful for occasion to share a wonderful meal, blessed memories, and as far as I know, no one took offense at me. Yet we notice, even in his hometown, amongst those who knew him and whom he knew, there are those who take offense at Jesus. Not only this, the Gospel of Mark tells us Jesus could do no mighty work there except lay his hands upon a few people and heal them. Jesus marveled at these people because of their unbelief. Jesus then commissions his disciples for the work they are to do for the sake of the gospel. As part of his commissioning, Jesus tells his disciples to take only what is needed for their work. And he also tells them If any place will not receive you and they refuse to hear you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet for a testimony against them. Why do you think Jesus spoke to his disciples those words? You know why as well as I do because he knew that those who follow him would be rejected as he was rejected. The writer of the Gospel of Mark is bearing witness to the experience of the early church, telling of those who were, re- were refused and who were rejected by those with whom they shared the good news. That is to say, those who follow Jesus will be treated much like Jesus. They will be rejected, they will be refused, just like Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but there is that part of me somewhat surprised that the writer of the Gospel of Mark tells us this that he tells us that Jesus, of all persons, was a person who did not succeed at all things and in all times. I mean, if Jesus doesn't succeed, who amongst us can succeed? Well, we heard from God's prophet, Ezekiel, heard of how Ezekiel, though he was speaking the word of God, was speaking to a people who would not listen read of God's words proclaimed by other prophets, most notably the prophet Jeremiah, and see that even this life-saving word is a word the people of God are given the freedom to refuse. Just as his people are free to refuse his own son. Don't be surprised, says Jesus, As they treat me, so they will treat you. Being my disciple is not a guarantee of success, no matter what certain preachers tell you. Now, lest we are inclined to believe otherwise, let's have a conversation with a follower of Jesus named Paul. Paul, we may know, wrote a great body of letters found in the New Testament, this same Paul once persecuted the early church, and encountered the resurrected Christ in the midst of his persecution, only to become a champion of the one he had tried to destroy. We read the letters of Paul. We discover Paul's life before he met Jesus was really a life to be envied. Paul was among the most esteemed of religious leaders, Paul was from the most revered of the families of faith. By all appearances, not a thing is wrong with the life of Paul until he meets Jesus. For it's not until he meets Jesus that Paul knows what it's like to be rejected, to be persecuted. It's not until he gives himself for the gospel of Christ that Paul knows what it's like to be refused and persecuted in chains, in jail. Not exactly a gospel of prosperity and success, is it? And perhaps this may not be the good news that we expect to hear as good news until we realize that we who often know our efforts for the sake of the gospel are often efforts unrewarded until we discover that we are not alone in this experience. We who may often wonder, what's the use, why bother? Well, we are gathered within a great company of faith of those who understand, those who bless, those who affirm. You see, you and I remember That front and center in this place of worship is a cross. It truly is an emblem of suffering and shame. An instrument of humiliation and a defeat. An instrument of cruel death, an instrument meant to invoke fear and submission. Yet it stands before us this morning as we worship a crucified and risen Savior. It stands before us reminding us that God takes even the cruelest of defeats and uses it all to His glory. It stands as a reminder that even the worst that life has to offer in the care of God serves as a witness to His presence with us at all times and through all things. The cross stands before us with this witness that even in the utmost of rejection and persecution and unbelief, God is working his purpose out to save and heal all he has made. The cross stands before us, shouting to us that nothing, not our rejection or unbelief, will defeat the purposes of God. So for those of us who wonder, About our efforts for the gospel of Christ, efforts often rejected and refused, efforts appearing not to succeed, we receive this morning this good news. You see, we stand in the company of Christ and many faithful witnesses who have gone before us Those whose efforts, like ours, ultimately bear fruit within the holy economy of God. Amen. Let us stand and respond to the word as we affirm our faith with an affirmation from Scripture, from 1 Timothy, it's number 889. There is one God, and there is one mediator, Christ Jesus, who came as a ransom for all, to whom we testify. This saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance, Up in glory.
2: Great indeed the mystery of the gospel. Amen.
0: As we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. As we find our places, our ushers will come forward. (laughs) It is. Can't blame Dave this morning. I'll invite our ushers to come forward as we worship God with his tithes and our altars. pray. Lord, we pray for daily bread, but you provide us so much more. We give you thanks and pray that we would grow in thanksgiving, grow in our gifts returned unto you, and grow in the desire that the good news of Christ be proclaimed to all. We thank you for blessing us to calling us, for calling us to be a part of your work. Accept these gifts we pray to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Our scriptures tell us to be those who pray without ceasing and to be those who ask and seek and to knock relentlessly. So we go to God in prayer, praying as a pattern we know is the prayers of the people. It is a responsive time of prayer, a time in which I will speak various petitions and conclude each of these petitions with the words, Lord, in your mercy, I invite from you the response, hear our prayer and invite you to lift those concerns that you would like to speak at this time of prayer. And then we conclude our time of prayer with the words Christ taught us. Let us pray. The Lord, we know that in a great way we are here because of the faithfulness and persistence of those who went before us those who also knew rejection and persecution, those who knew defeat, but those who knew that you are a God who takes all that would even oppose you and you use it to your glory. Such is a victorious and life-giving God that you are. And you call us to be people of faith and you gather us within such a company of faithful witnesses. And our prayer, Lord, is that we likewise would persist in faith, that we would be those who grow in faith, those who grow in obedience. We pray as well that we would be those who know that you work through our efforts and that you accomplish your purpose to heal and save all you have made. Lord, in your mercy... And hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation, Lord, in your mercy. Nancy Nash, Andy Bob Vogler, Dewey McGee, Mark Robertson. Lord, in your mercy, hear us as we pray for those who suffer and those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy, Lord, in your mercy. Lord, hear us as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. For those displaced by fire, for those of Piedmont Community Services. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, hear us as we pray for the world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. For Bishop Lewis, Janina Howard, Ministries of First Church, Lord, in your mercy, and hear our prayers gathered with those of the communion of saints, those who join us now in worship and praise you, and pray as Christ has taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. Our closing hymn sent forth by God's blessing, we stand and sing. Thank mm-hmm. you. We go as a light into this community and beyond, remembering that Christ has said, you are the light of the world. And we go as those who have heard again the words of Christ and the assurance that he goes with us now and always. So we go in peace. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.